0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
1: the left-handed people of the world have been voicing some legitimate complaints. They feel, with some justice, that they're being penalized for being different, since almost all the gadgets and conveniences of life are built for people who are right-handed. They also feel they're unjustly accused of being less reliable than their right-handed brethren. Whether or not that's a bad rap is open to question, but there are also the so-called hot-tempered redheads who, so far, haven't banded together to object to being thus labeled. But A. Conan Doyle immortalized redheads forever when he pitted the red-headed league against the marvelous deductive abilities of the world's greatest detective, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Uh, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. I'm Holmes. And this is my colleague, Doctor Watson. How do you know? Yes. Now you've told me your name is Jabbers Wilson, and beside the obvious facts that you've at some time done manual labour, that you take snuff, that you're a Freemason, that you've been in China, and that you've done a considerable amount of writing lately, I can deduce nothing else about you. What? How in the name of all the holy do you know all that? Are you some kind of a wizard, Mr. Holmes? Not at all. Well, then it's some kind of trick. Certainly, I began working in life as a ship's carpenter, but there's no way you could have known that except... Your hands, my dear sir. Your right hand is at least one size larger than your left. Therefore, you've worked with it. The muscles are obviously more developed. Oh, but the the snuff, then, and and the Freemasonry. I won't insult your intelligence by explaining the snuff. As for the Freemasonry... Against the strict rules of your order, you use an arc and compass breastpin. Oh, oh, of course, of course, I forgot that. Uh, uh, but the writing, sir. What else can be indicated by that right cuff? So very shiny for five inches. And the left one with the smooth patch near the elbow where you rested it upon a desk? Yes, uh, yes. yes, yes. But, but, but China, that, that, that's something quite different. The fish tattooed immediately above your right wrist could only have been done in China. Oh, I... I've made a small study of tattoo <laughs> marks, and that trick of staining the fish's scale a delicate pink is quite peculiar to China. When, in addition, I see a Chinese coin hanging from your watch chain the matter becomes even more simple. Ah, well, I thought at first you'd done something clever, but I see there was nothing to it after all. (laughs) I begin to think, Watson, that I make a mistake in explaining. Oh, sir. I fear my reputation will suffer shipwreck if I continue to be so candid. But now, Mr. Wilson, what brings you to me? Oh, it it was this advertisement here. Uh, Read it for yourself, sir. Thank you. You don't mind if I let Dr. Watson read it? No, 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 not at all. Uh, To the Red-Headed League. On account of the bequest of the late Ezekiah Hopkins of Lebanon, Pennsylvania, USA, there is now another vacancy open which entitles a member of the league to a salary of four pounds a week for purely nominal services. All red-headed men who are sound in body and mind and above the age of 21 are eligible. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. A in person, Monday at 11 o'clock to Duncan Ross at the offices of the League, Seven Pope's Court, Fleet Street. <laughs> what on earth does this mean, Holmes? <laughs> well, it is a little off the beaten track and may well be the start of a very pretty puzzle. Mr. Wilson... Tell us all about this strange advertisement and you. Watson, you, of course, noted the date of the newspaper. Yes, April the 27th, 1890, just two months ago. Excellent, excellent. Now, Mr. Wilson. Oh, well, um, I keep a small tobacconist shop at Coburg Square. It's not very large, and it doesn't do more than just give me a living, you know, but since I have a flat above the shop, I make out All right. Well, sir, uh, I used to keep two assistants, but now I can only afford one. And that only because he's willing to work at half wages to get a place to live while he learns the business. Hmm? What's the name of this obliging youth? Oh, his name is Vincent spalding and he's not such a youth either. Oh, it's hard to say how old he is, but I tell you, Mr. Holmes, I, I couldn't have a sharper assistant. Never was such a fellow for photography. Snapping away all the time with a camera and then diving down into the cellar to develop his pictures. That's his main fault. But there's no vice in him, you know. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it was he who called my attention to the advertisement. Ah. Can you remember how that happened? Oh, dark, like it was yesterday, Mr. Holmes. I uh, was coming down from my living quarters into the shop when Vincent said... I wish to heaven, Mr. Wilson, that I was a red-headed man. Ah, huh? Oh, wh- why on earth should you wish that? Why? Because here's another vacancy on the League of the Red-Headed Men. What? Huh? It's worth quite a bit of money to the man who gets it. Only my hair would change color. It'd be a nice little post all ready for me to step into. Oh, well, well, well what is this Red-Headed League? Oh, I'm that surprised you've never heard of it. With your head of red hair, you're eligible for one of the vacancies. Ah. Huh? What's the vacancy worth? A couple of hundred pounds a year. But the work doesn't interfere with one's other occupations. Doesn't it? Well, tell me about it. Do you know how it got started? Well, as far as I know... The League was founded by an American millionaire... Ezekiah Hopkins... Who was a real eccentric. He himself was red-headed... And he had a great sympathy for all red-headed men. We never married... Had no relatives... And when he died, he left his entire fortune in the hands of trustees with specific instructions to apply the interest only to provide easy jobs to men with red hair. Oh, but there'd be millions of red-headed men who will apply. Oh, not as many as you might think. I believe if you cared to apply, you'd walk away with the job. Oh, but perhaps it's not worth your while to put yourself out for the sake of a few hundred pounds. It was certainly true that our visitor's hair was of a particularly brilliant shade of crimson. But to me, the whole business smacked with the ridiculous. I, I couldn't understand Holmes' keenness in asking Wilson for more details. Well, you see, Mr. Holmes, since Vincent Spalding seemed to know so much about it, I figured he might be useful to have along. So I ordered him to put up the shutters for the day and to come along with me. All right, sirs. This way, if you please. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm Duncan Ross. Give me your hand, Mr. Wilson. Allow me to congratulate you. The vacancy is yours. <laughs> what did I tell you? Are you a married man, Mr. Wilson? Do you have a family? Well, neither, but does it make any difference? Oh, dear me, dear me. This is very serious indeed. I, I'm sorry to hear about your bachelorhood. But I, I must explain that the fund wasn't only set up for providing pleasant jobs for red-headed men, but for the propagation and spread of redheads as well. You must see this puts me in an awkward position, most awkward. Well, couldn't there possibly be an exception made, Mr. Ross? I mean, in this case where you have such a magnificent head of hair. Hmm. Yes, well... <clears throat> Well, we might stretch a point in your case. Yes, we might. After all, it isn't as if you hated women. You very well may someday marry. Oh, well, I might, but... No, 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 I... Then no, no, let's say no more about it. When can you start? Uh, that, that, that might be a problem, you see. I already have a business. Ah, oh, don't you worry about that, Mr. Wilson. I can look after that for you. Well, now, what... What are the hours? 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. six days a week. That might work out. My busiest time is early in the morning and the early evening. And I can handle the shop while you're away. Yes, uh, it seems satisfactory. And uh, uh, the the pay? Uh, Four pounds a week. Ah, And the work? Uh, Purely nominal. What does purely nominal mean? Well, you must be in this office the entire time. The will is very clear upon that point. I cannot make it strong enough. If you leave, you lose the position forever. Oh, I'm sure I'll be able to stay here the whole four hours. And no excuse will prevail. Neither sickness nor business. There's no such thing as an emergency. Oh, yes, sir, I understand. Well, I certainly hope you do, Miss Wilson. I've already made one concession, but there'll be absolutely no others. I should abide by the rule, but uh, what is the work? Hmm. to copy the entire Encyclopedia Britannia. Now, there is the first volume on that press. You must find your own ink, pens, and blotting paper. We provide the table and the chair, and you agree to start tomorrow. Do we understand each other? Oh, yes, perfectly, Mr. Ross. And you may depend upon me being here promptly at ten tomorrow. (laughs) A famous old radio show started with these words. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. And indeed he did. But if he knew about the evil in the hearts of men, the world's greatest detective, Sherlock Holmes, knew better than anyone what evil lurked in the minds of men. I'll be back to hear what Sherlock Holmes unravels in the puzzle of the red-headed lady. Mr. Phineas T. Barnum said, There's a sucker born every minute. And one thing's for sure, it's always easy to see the other fellow's mistakes. Certainly Mr. Jabez Wilson seemed to be gullible in swallowing the story about the red-headed league. But looking at it from his point of view, he was doing nothing wrong, and he was making money at his strange job obtained in strange fashion. Uh, let's pick up Mr. Wilson as he unfolds the rest of his perplexing tale. Well, I must say, Mr. Holmes, that I left the office in Pope's Court in very high spirits. Mm-hmm. But when I got home, the more I thought about it, I became convinced the whole thing was some kind of a hoax, you know. But for what reason I couldn't fathom. However, in the morning I thought I might as well try it and see what happened. Very sensible, since you had nothing to lose except a trip to Pope's Court. And what happened when you arrived? To my surprise and delight, everything was as right as rain. Mr. Ross was there to see that I started work. Well, sir, I began with the letter A and worked away quite industriously. And uh, what about Mr. Ross? Did he stay with you? Oh, not all the time, but Mm. he'd drop in from time to time, you know, to see that everything was all right with me. And also to see that you lived up to the terms of your employment, no doubt. I suppose that too... But at two o'clock sharp, he bade me good day, complimented me upon the amount I'd written and uh, locked the door behind me. Uh And did this continue? Well, not in the same fashion. After a few weeks, he wouldn't drop by quite so frequently. And the last two weeks, he didn't come at all. Only on Saturday, when he gave me the four golden sovereigns. You had no curiosity about this position? Ah, well, to be honest, Mr. Holmes, I had a lot of questions, but the four pounds a week stifled my curiosity. After eight weeks, I'd written about abbots and archery and got all the way to Attica and hoped that I might soon get on to the bees. When suddenly the old business came to an end. Capital. Capital. Ah. I can't understand your relation, Mr. Holmes. It certainly shocked me when I came to work early this morning to find the door locked and and this little square of cardboard hooked onto the middle with a tack. Shall I read it, Holmes? Please, Doctor. Um, Red-headed league is hereby dissolved. There may be further communication, but it will be done by post, if at all. Hmm? Aha. Aha. Did you take any steps when you found this card? At first, I was completely staggered. Then I went round to the offices in the building, but none of them knew anything at all. The landlord? Did oh, you... The landlord's an accountant who lives on the ground floor. I asked if he could tell me what had become of the Red-Headed League, but he said he'd never even heard of them. And your employer, Mr. Duncan Ross? The landlord said he knew no such gentleman. Now, come, come, Mr. Wilson. Your employer must have been known to the landlord... If not by that name, then another... Oh, exactly, sir. When I described the red-headed gentleman in room number four, the landlord told me that his name was Charles Morris. He was a solicitor using the room only until his new offices were ready. He moved out yesterday and was at his new address, 17 King Edward Street, uh, near St. Paul's. And when you got there, the cupboard was bare. That's right again, sir. It was a manufacturing house. No, no. no one had ever heard of Ross or Morris or the league. Oh, I tell you, sir, I was an state. I hurried back to my shop and started in on Vincent, who kept trying to calm me down. No, 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 please, Mr. Wilson. Shouting won't do you any good if you'll only take my advice and wait. Wait? Wait for what? And what about my salary for the past week, eh? What about that? Mr. Wilson, the League has been in existence for a number of years, and I'm sure they'll get in touch with you by post. Well, if the League's been in existence for so long, I can't understand how it's been such a well-kept secret. Well, now, Mr. Wilson, you must admit that you're not much of a man for going around. Why, since I first came here, you rarely put your foot out of doors. Uh, Oh, I'll confess you have something there. And that's why you've never heard of the League. But I assure you it's been well known and highly regarded for a long time. All right, since you know so much, can you explain what happened? No, sir. I cannot but I'm willing to wager that you will hear from them again. I just hope that it won't be what I fear. Eh? What's that? You remember when you got the job, there was some question about your marital status? Now, I'm not saying this is so, but it's just possible that the entire board may have had some second thoughts and overruled Mr. Ross' decision about taking you on. Well, if that's the case, I should have a chance to explain. Uh, perhaps I could set their minds at rest. How do you mean? Well, it just so happens that... Uh, <laughs> that, that recently I have encountered a young lady who I think might just be suitable for... for, for well, uh, I I have been thinking about marriage. Oh, now that's an important factor, Mr. Wilson. Very important and I feel that somehow the lady should be informed of your intentions. Well, well, well. Hmm. How and when did romance enter your life, Mister Wilson? Well, uh, Mister Holmes, it, it was most peculiar, most peculiar. As you heard, I'm generally a stay-at-home, you know. But, but being cooped up in that office every day for so long made me want to stretch my legs a bit. And uh, this one evening. How okay, come, Mister Wilson? There's no need to be embarrassed about man. eh, Watson? <laughs> quite so, quite so. Well, uh, as I tell you, it it, it sounds like she. You, you see that there was this lady, not a young flippity gibbet, but a mature lady, you know, and and uh, she uh, stumbled. Oh so dear! And and I managed to keep her from taking quite a spill, and and uh, since we uh, seem to have a a lot in common. Was she a redhead? Uh, no. But, at any rate, we hit it off, and I began to see quite a bit of her, and, uh, Well, hang it all, I'm... I'm, I'm thinking of marrying her. Hmm. Did you and your lady ever discuss the red-headed league? Well, I may have mentioned it, but we didn't dwell on it. Can you recall her reaction? No. No, and I, I can't see how she has anything to do with the matter at hand. Ah, perhaps not. At any rate, Mr. Wilson, today is Friday, and if you'll see me on Monday... We may have some answers for you. Do you think that I should... You should go back to your shop and take care of your business. After our red-headed visitor had left, Holmes sat with his lean figure hunched in his chair and his eyes closed. Suddenly he opened his eyes and asked... Well, Watson, what do you make of it? Uh, no, 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 I make nothing of it, Holmes. It's a most mysterious business that seems to have no rhyme or reason. Mm-hmm. As a rule, the more bizarre a thing is, the less mysterious it proves to be. But I feel that this may very well be a serious matter. And if what I fear to be true is true, there's little time left. Well, what do you propose to do? To smoke. It's quite a three-pipe problem, and I beg that you don't speak to me for 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. With his thin knees drawn up to his hawk-like nose and his eyes closed and his black clay pipe thrusting out like the bill of some strange bird, my friend sat lost in thought. Suddenly, he sprang out of the chair, put his pipe down on the mantelpiece and said... What do you think, my dear doctor? Could your patient spare you for a few hours? Oh, (laughs) I I have nothing to do today. My, My practice is never very absorbing. Good. Then come along. We traveled by underground as far as Aldersgate. And then a short walk took us to Saxe coburg Square. It was a pokey little shabby, genteel place with four lines of dingy two-story brick houses. We stood across the street from the corner house on which one could read Jabez Wilson, Tobacconist. My companion stood carefully scrutinizing the houses. What are you looking at, Holmes? The houses and shops and the names. Well, surely you know the name of Jabez Wilson. this is a time for observation. We are, so to speak, in enemy country. Alex reconnoitre. There's Mortimer's, the pawnbroker's, vegetarian restaurant, Mm -hmm. the Cobert branch of the city and suburban bank, and... McFarland Brothers Architects. Right, have you any interest in architecture, Doctor? No, I can't say that I have, no. Well, that's a pity, because at this moment, that's our destination. I wondered what in the world Holmes wanted with a firm of architects. But as we approached the door, I was amazed to see the familiar figure of a Thelney Jones... The detective from Scotland Yard. (laughs) My surprise was equaled by Jones. Eh, if it isn't Mr. Sherlock Ormes. Hmm? What brings you to this part of London? I might ask the same question of you. Or purely a routine matter. A stupid attempt at robbery, although why in the world any criminal would want to break into McFarlane Brothers, beats me. Ah, This was recent? No, I've just come down to tell the owners... that our investigations haven't turned up anything... and that we'd best forget it for a while. I'm curious. Could you give me uh, some details? Oh, it's really not in your line, Mr. Holmes. But here are the facts. A couple of months ago, the night watchman... was making his usual rounds... when he came upon two men trying to open the safe... in the offices of McFarlane. Although there's no cash and no securities, in fact... Nothing of any value. Oh, ah, yeah, that does seem stupid. And what happened? They overpowered, bound, and gagged the watchman, left him in the outer room, and then left without taking anything because there was nothing missing from the safe in the morning. Was a thorough check made? Oh, come, come, Mr. Holmes. Every penny accounted for. Mm. Well, since you came down here to report failure. I assume that the night watchman didn't give you much of a description of the robbers. No, it was the usual meaningless jobber. No good to us at all. One thing, though, they were amateurs. They used gloves so as not to leave fingerprints. That's very significant. To you, maybe, Mr. Holmes, but to us it's normal. The usual procedure of professionals. Quite so. Well, come along, Watson. Mm. There's nothing more that we can do here. Uh, uh, But, Holmes, what about your interest in uh, architecture and our visit to MacFarlane? My Uh, dear doctor, we must remain flexible if we're to get to the bottom of the matter we're investigating. Oh, yes, sir. Let's say goodbye to Inspector Jones. Now, hold on a minute, Mr. Holmes. This uh, matter you're investigating, Hmm? is it something that Scotland Yard might be interested in? It very well may be, Inspector, but before I call on you for help, I have to prove my theory beyond a shadow of a doubt. That was a most informative discussion we had with Jones, don't you think, Doctor? Oh, you consider a bungled burglary and a a failure on the part of the police informative. I suppose you can call it that. Oh, my dear chap, how can you listen and not hear?
0: Well,
1: I heard every word that was said. You don't think it instructive that an obvious pair of professional thieves who are careful enough to wear gloves select an unlikely target, such as an architect's office, as a likely place for a haul? Everybody makes mistakes. Very true, Watson, but mark you. They tie the men up, open the safe, and don't touch the cash. Well, because it wasn't worthwhile taking. Ah? I put it to you, Watson... That it was a very successful robbery. Oh, no. That the thieves got exactly what they wanted. And if what I suspect is true, the watchman is lucky to be alive. What in the world were they after? You know my methods, Watson. You have all the information I have. All that's necessary is for you to think. But, ah, here we are, outside our destination. why on earth are you beating the pavement with your stick... Part of my observations, Doctor. Now, let's see the inside of Mr. Wilson's establishment. Uh, Yes, gentlemen. What can I do for you? I'm sorry to bother you. We only wish to know how to get from here to the Strand. Third right, fourth left, and you're on the Strand. Thank you. Smart fellow, that. In my judgment, he's the fourth smartest man in London. And for daring... I'm not sure that he hasn't a claim to be third. Uh, evidently, Mr. Wilson's assistant counts for a good deal in this affair of the red-headed league. I'm sure that you asked your way only in order to see him. Not him. Uh, what then? The knees of his trousers. <laughs> not only Watson, but all the millions of Sherlock Holmes fans are familiar with his methods... You, like Watson, have all the information. All you have to do is apply the science of deductive reasoning as expounded so often and so well by Sherlock Holmes and you'll come up with the answer as to why Holmes was interested in the knees of Vincent Spaulding's trousers. You'll find out whether you are right or not when I return shortly with Act Three. of being labeled a male chauvinist, I submit that writers of detective fiction believe that thinking and women are incompatible. To prove my thesis, let me point out that the three greatest thinking detectives of all times, Sherlock Holmes, Nero Wolfe, and Arsene Lupin, avoided involvements with the opposite sex. They must have believed that romantic involvement would in some way affect their judgment. At any rate, in today's story, Holmes is concentrating on red-headed males, and we find him and Dr. Watson in their Baker Street flat. Holmes had been poring over a map of London streets for some time, and also had a back issue of the Times open to the financial page, when he finally folded the map, looked up And said with a sigh of satisfaction... I think there's no chance of my being wrong now. I'm I'm sure you're right, but uh, I'm blessed if I know what you're right about. Can't be the visitors I'm expecting, but come in. Vincent Folding was right, Mr. Holmes, and so were you. I've heard from the Red-Headed League. Indeed. Uh, there's to be a weekend meeting starting tonight at the Cork and Bottle in Surrey. Surrey? Uh, reservations have been made for me, and then they'll discuss my problem. Uh, well, what do you think of that, Mr. Holmes? How did they get in touch with you? Oh, by post, as they said they would. I, I brought the letter with me. Would you carry the seat? No, I don't think that's necessary. But, but I've come to you for advice, and, and here you uh, are, Mr. Chab- Wilson... I think that I can assure you that I will have the answers you want by the end of this weekend. But what about this note? Should, should I go or I insist that you go, but if you want the answer to your problems, don't expect to find it in Surrey. After Holmes had persuaded a reluctant Jabez Wilson to keep his weekend rendezvous in Surrey, and he'd rushed off, I looked at Holmes... Holmes, I'll confess that this nonsensical charade of the red-headed lead seems to me to be just a silly kind of game. On the contrary, my dear Watson, it's serious. Very serious indeed. Oh, dear. You characterize this as a charade, and your instincts are always good. The whole device used to get our friend Wilson away from his shop for four hours a day was staged, and quite brilliant. But why in the world would anyone want that? There's nothing in that shop or house of any value. Think, Doctor. Remember I observed that the knees of Vincent Spaulding's trousers were covered with dust and badly worn? Add to that his habit of rushing down to the cellar at every opportunity. Ah, of course. Buried treasure. (laughs) You're an incurable romantic, Doctor, but at that you're not too far off the mark. And that, I think, signals the arrival of our companions for this evening's hunt. Will you be kind enough, Doctor? Yes. Right. Come in, gentlemen. Now our party is complete, Watson. I think you know Inspector Jones of Scotland Yard. Let me introduce you to Mr. Merriweather, who will accompany us tonight. You are hunting in couples again, Doctor, you see. Our friend Holmes is a wonderful man for start in the chase. All he wants is an old dog to help him do the running down. <laughs> uh, I hope we don't find a wild goose at the end of our chase. Bankers don't place too much trust in theories and fantasies, Inspector. Interested only in cold facts. And cold cash also, eh, Mr. Merriweather? Well, that's why I allowed the Inspector to persuade me into coming. Although it's the first Saturday night in 27 years, I haven't played bridge i miss that, Mr. Holmes. Well, I think you'll find you're playing for a higher stake tonight than you've ever done before. And that the play will be more exciting. Uh, Then what do you think the stakes are? Thirty thousand pounds. Uh, uh, How do you arrive at that figure? Isn't it true that some months ago you had occasion to strengthen the resources of your branch of the city and suburban bank? And according to the times here, you borrowed thirty thousand Napoleons from the Bank of France... No, that's fairly common knowledge, sir. As a matter of fact, there's been some discussion among our directors about the wisdom of keeping so much bullion on a single branch. And a discussion which was very well justified. I have reason to believe that an attempt will be made upon that bullion this very night. No, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. We have the best protective service in the city of London. The cases containing the bullion have never been unpacked. We're absolutely immune to any attempt at such a theft. I beg to differ, Mister Meadowweather. Come in. What's this? A telegram. I give it here, lad. And this is for you. The fool. Ah! This may spoil everything. Well, what is it, Holmes? Our friend Wilson arrived in Surrey and found he was the only guest expected. He's furious. In returning to London tonight, he must be stopped at all costs. No, well, that's hardly possible, unless he isn't already on the train. Well, if he returns to his shop, we may miss our chance to lay these fellows by the heels. His life is also very much in danger. Uh, Inspector, you didn't tell me there might be some physical danger in this situation. Not to you, Mr. Matterweather. They don't know you, but if this Vincent Spaulding is the man I believe him to be, murder isn't beyond him. And if Jabez Wilson interrupts those plans, Spaulding would think nothing of killing him. Well, here, let's see. From Surrey. Early's train up. Wouldn't get in before ten tonight. Capital. Watson, get down to Waterloo Station and intercept Wilson. Yes. Then join us in Saxe-Coburg Square in front of the bank as soon as you can. We don't go in until we hear from you that Wilson is safe. (laughs) at Waterloo Station in time to meet the train from Surrey. i just hoped that Wilson would be on it. There was a later train, but that would have meant Holmes and the others would be forced to wait until I arrived and Holmes seemed to feel there was a chance that we might miss the scoundrels we were after. Well, unfortunately, I spotted his flaming red hair. Oh, why, Doctor Watson, I hardly expected to be met. Yes, right. Well, uh, Sherlock Holmes sent me. He says it's vital that you don't go back to your house tonight. Now, what nonsense is that? Well, it is for your own good. If you go home, Holmes feels you're in grave danger. Oh, well, nothing's going to stop me from sleeping in my own bed tonight. If your detective friend thinks I'm in danger, let him protect me. Well, that's why I'm here. All right, fine. Then come along home with me. Well, now, look here. Holmes has put a lot of work for you in this, and, and, and he thinks we're going to be able to bring things to a, a, a successful conclusion tonight. If you do as he asks. And if I don't? Well, then I shall have you arrested. You you can spend the night safely in a cell. But, Dr. Watson, where shall I go? You can come with me. I'll drop you off at our rooms at Baker Street. And that's the way it was arranged. I dropped Wilson at Baker Street... And then hastened to Coburn Square when I saw Holmes, Jones, and Merriweather waiting. Uh, this will do, my man. Right here, is fine. Ah, <coughs> uh, Watson. I knew I could rely on you. Where did you leave our friend Joppas Wilson? At our rooms, Holmes. I promised we would get back at the conclusion of this affair and fill him in. Well done, Watson. Come along. Uh, Mr. Merriweather, you must lead the way. We shan't need light till we reach the gate at the bottom of the steps. Mind your feet here. The stairs are narrow. Ah, Inspector, I think it's time for you to light your lantern. We can use it down here to open the gate. We shall certainly need it in the cellar. Mr. Merriweather conducted us down a dark, earth-smelling passage into a huge paved vault or cellar which was piled all around with crates and massive boxes. Would you mind holding the lantern up for a moment so that I can get a better view of the ceiling, Mr. Matterweather? No, as you wish, Mr. Hull. Hmm. You're not very vulnerable from above at any rate. No, from below. Ah, ah. ah dearie. sounds quite horrible. I really must ask you to be more quiet. Now, you've already imperiled the success of our whole expedition. Have the goodness to sit down upon one of those boxes and do not interfere. Holmes fell to his knees on the floor and with the lantern and magnifying glass began to examine minutely the cracks between the stones... I suspect we have at least an hour's wait. When they start, they won't lose a minute, however. But the sooner they complete their work, the more time they'll have for their escape. Mm -hmm. They'll need a great deal of time, if your theories are correct, Mr. Holmes. The crate on which I sit contains 2,000 napoleons packed between layers of lead foil. There are 15 of these crates altogether... How you imagine these so clever thieves are going to transport them Is beyond me? That problem concerns me, too. But I'm afraid that we shan't have the answer until we've bagged the men themselves. In order to make sure that there'll be no slip-up, I must ask you, Mr. Merriweather, to put the screen over that lantern. And sit in the dark? Mm, I'm afraid so. Our thieves' plans have gone so far we dare not risk a light. I suggest you conceal yourself behind that packing case, Mr. Merriweather. Watson and Jones and I will also find places of concealment. And, Doctor, if the men fire, have no compunction about shooting them down. If there's anyone to shoot at, this whole fantastic scheme isn't the product of your fevered imagination. Fortunately, I do my work for pleasure alone, Mr. Merriweather. Let me use this part of our weight by asking you some questions. As you wish. Why would anyone pay a man four pounds a week to copy the Encyclopedia Britannia? Unless he were demented, I cannot imagine. Or unless he wanted to be sure that man wouldn't interfere with the work he had in mind. What work? In a moment. Why would professional thieves bind a watchman, open a safe, and take nothing? Ask Inspector Jones. I'm no good at riddles. Well, then I shall ask you a question I believe you can answer. Who were the architects for this building. Well, of course I know that. The McFarlane Brothers. Exactly. The McFarlane Brothers' premises were the ones invaded by the robbers. I'm sure they either took or made copies of the plans for this building. No, Mr. Merriweather. The facts will bear only one interpretation. Some very astute thieves have been tunneling under the street for the past two months. And tonight... There will be an attempt made on the bullion. You've convinced me, Mr. Holmes. Have you done what I asked about Wilson's shop in Coburg Square, Inspector? Aye. There's a constable and two officers waiting at the front door. Well, then they've stopped all the holes. Now, we must be silent and wait. I placed my revolver, cocked, on the top of the wooden case behind which I crouched... We waited there in the cold, dank air of the vault... with only the smell of hot metal to assure us that the lamp was still there ready to flash on at a moment's notice. Suddenly, my eyes caught the glint of light. At first, it was but a spark. And then it became a yellow line. Until, with a rending, tearing sound, one of the paving stones turned over on its side... And a wooden projectile of some sort appeared. And then, a man. All right. Give me a hand with the sled and the wheels, Archie. Everything clear up there? All clear. Swing up the ropes and the chisel. You're under arrest! i got it, Archie! They've got me, but you're right away! I very much doubt it. There are three men waiting for him at the door of the shop spalding. Alias John Clay. And there are. Hello, It has me by name, Sherlock Holmes. At your service, a detective who's been following your career with interest and whose pleasure it is to end it here tonight. The Adventure of the Red-Headed League was written back in 1890. And yet, last year, we read of two daring robberies in France where exactly the same methods were employed. Tunnels were dug under streets, connecting with sewers, and then on up into the vaults of two banks. The only thing missing was the red-headed league. I'll be back shortly. A. Conan Doyle was never noted as a man with a great sense of humor... But that's only because he rarely employed it in his writing. As a matter of fact, he had a keen wit. The proof? In his first year of independent medical practice, before he started writing, his earnings were exactly 154 pounds. When he filed his tax return, he showed that he owed no tax at all because of his earnings. The authorities returned his form with the words most unsatisfactory, scrawled across it. He sent it back with his own comment, which was, I entirely agree. Our cast included Kevin McCarthy, Court Benson, Robert Dryden, and Ian Martin. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of of our next tale. Oh, I can control myself, Uncle John. <laughs> if I could keep myself in hand, swallow my bile all those years I had to scratch for handouts, how easy do you think it's going to be for me now that I'm king of the hill? Carl, boy, save some pity and sorrow for the poor old man he was, your great uncle. He was a family nemesis. He sat on the estate and the money, pontificating on the virtues of frugality and self-denial, refusing my father his share pounding him into mediocrity, turning him into a fawning dog, killing him in the end. And my mother with him, may he rot in hell. The the bishop? Well, then, in heaven, wherever he chooses, or wherever he was led, all I care for is that at last he is dead, and I am alive and free. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater, for another adventure in the macabre until next time pleasant dreams
0: in business you rarely hear the expression for life you make a purchase for a product for a service and and there's a there's a time frame there well that's not the case with awaken 180 weight loss